This is Tani Talks Radio, the year where we talk about the topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Of course, our hearts are shattered, our souls are broken. As I think about and I contemplate the terrible, terrible, tragic, devastating events that happened on Simchas Torah, the things that happened on the actual holiday, and our hearts are with those in Yerushalayim, those in Israel, those in Eretz Yisrael, those in the world at large. This year is dedicated in memory of the hundreds murdered and on behalf of the hundreds in captivity, the thousands wounded and the tens of thousands fighting on our behalf in Eretz Yisrael. They should all be zochah to be successful. They should be zochah to be matzliach. They should be zochah to rid the whole land and the whole earth of these terrible, terrible people and that we should be zochah to only know good things. Every single captured person should be relieved and should be safe and sound, alive and well and we should only know good things. Yeshua and refuah speedily bekarov, and the shir should be a zechus for all of those people. As we think about the whole nation, we think about the situation. We think about how there is one God above. There is one ruler amongst us. That is Hashem. And it's interesting to think that at a time like this, a perilous time like this, we're thinking of what we can do for others and what others can be done for them. I just read recently that even the the chilonim, even the people who are serving and are not necessarily so connected, that are not necessarily so in tuned with the spirituality and with the Judaism and with the religion and the from aspect yet they ask because they can't put on tefillin and they can't stav and they're literally in the heat of the battle they ask for others to daven for them they ask for others to do kind acts for them to do chesed for them one kind act goes a long way and as we think about the God above us who is the Shomer Yisrael who should be and we should be zochem that everyone is protected now and always and everyone is saved and rescued and all evil is eradicated from our midst it behooves us to think who is really the Shomer Yisrael? Who is really the one that protects us? It's not in Kolchevyotzim Yadi. It's not my power, my strength. It's not me. It's only Hashem. And what reminds us of this fact day in and day out, even when we're at work, even when we're traveling, is that kipa, is that aspect on our head, is that item, that object that we wear. And for married for a moment, those who wear the the sheitel or the techo, the snood understanding that we have something above us and that we have Hashem above us. When we wear the kippah, there's a very strong reason why. It reminds us that there is a God above us, that there is a protector above us, and that there is a Shomer Yisrael above us. And we should be zochah with this learning and with all of our learning and all the Tehillim around the world that it should really be a full Yeshua and full and everyone in this life and in that land. So Gemarin Kemudushin talks about the idea of the kippah itself. It talks about in 31a, Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Asr l'adam she'yahalech arba amos bekoma zekufa, shenemar malok hal ha'aretz kevodom, Rav Huna bereid Rav Yeshua l'mesagi arba amos begulay harosh, Amar shechina l'mala meroshim. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says it's prohibited for a person to walk even four cubits with an upright posture which is considered an arrogant manner. As it is stated, the entire world is full of his glory. It's pointed out from Yeshayahu. One who walks in an arrogant manner indicates a lack of regard for the glory and honor of God that is surrounding him, and thereby chases God from that place, as it were. The Gemara relates Rav Huna, son of Rav Yeshua, would not walk four cubits with an uncovered head. So we see in the Gemara right away talking about the idea of wearing the kippah. I don't know in the Gemara times if they wore a kippah per se like the ones we wear nowadays, but they definitely had different turbans, different coverings, different hats, different types of head coverings in 
their aspects and in their life as well. The Mishnah Torah points out in the prayer and priestly blessing in chapter 5 <laughs> It's adjustment of the dress. Before beginning and dominating, the dress should first be adjusted. Personal appearance made trim and neat. As it says, you worship Hashem in the beauty of holiness. And that comes from Tehillim. One should not stand in prayer wearing a money belt, no bare headed, and no bare foot, where the local custom is not to stand in the presence of a great without shoes. One should not pray anywhere, holding the tefillin in his hand or carrying a scroll of law in his arms, for a man would then be preoccupied with those sacred objects. The idea is keeping Hashem above us and around us, even below us, making sure that the shoes are on and that the head is covered and that the Head is reminiscent so that we know that Hashem is above us. Shabbos points out in 118b, and purposely using the Hebrew and the English so it could be a double merit for all those in Eretz Yisrael because usually we only do the English. Amrav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Taisili de Kaimis, Shalosh Seudos Peshabbos, Amrav Yehud, Taisili de Kaimis, Ian Tfila, Amrav Huna, Bereid Rav Yehoshua, Taisili de Losagine, Arabe Amos Beguloi, Harosh. Amar of Sheshis, Teseli de Kayemes, Mitzvah Tfilin, Amar of Nachman, Teseli de Kayemes, Mitzvah Sitzis. So each rabbi talks about the idea why they should receive reward. Of course, we don't do things for reward itself. We do things because it's Lashma, in order to be able to serve Hashem. But there's different rabbis talk about these mitzvahs themselves that are harder for them, per se, to be involved with. So Rav Nachman says, May I receive my reward because I fulfill the obligation to eat three meals on Shabbos magnificently. Not eating like a piece of challah and an egg, but having a lavish meal for each one, probably. Rav Yehuda said, May I receive my reward because I fulfill the obligation of consideration during prayer. Rav Huna, son of Rav Yeshua, said, May I receive my reward because I never walked four cubits with my head uncovered. Rav Sheshish said, May I receive my reward because I fulfill the mitzvah of phylacteries magnificently. So this person who walks around with the kippah, this is a reward to be gotten. And a lot of times, we worry about wearing the kippah at work. If it's not a danger, if it's not a safety concern, if we're able to wear it and proudly wear it and be a an emissary of Hashem, be an emissary of the Jewish people, you are that person that they could look at and they could understand is upholding. You know, when I'm when I'm traveling to work, I wear the the hat on purpose because a lot of times it's dangerous areas and whatnot. But in the school itself, I dafka specifically like to wear the kippah, being ambassador of the Jewish people. You know, I'm. I'm going around and these people have no affiliation, don't know anything about it. We have the chance to be Mikadashim Shemai. We have the chance to sanctify the, the world, to sanctify Hashem, sanctify the Jewish people. They don't even know any of the holidays, any of the aspects, any of the customs. And of course, going to work, you are the, the ambassador of the Jewish people, understanding and explaining what's going on, especially if they have conflicting information of the current times. You have the ability, especially when you wear that kippah, to be a walking shaliach, a, a walking messenger of Hashem. So walk with at even those four cubits with the kippah to be able to be that ambassador of Hashem, a simple way also to stand up for the nation of Israel, for the Jewish people, and the land itself. Shabbos one fifty six points out Umidurav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Nami Ein Mazal Ali Yisrael. The Imidurav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Amar Lei 
Keladae, Brich Ganava Heve, Lo Shvakte Gale Reshe, Amrele Kasi Reshach, Kihechit de Sehavi, Alech Emasa de Shemayo over Erachma Rachame, Lo Haviade Amai Kamrele, Yomachad Yasivka, Garis Tuse de Gla, Nafa Glima Melve Reshe de Li Ena Chaza Ledikla, Il Malayitsire, Selik Paske, the Kubere Bishnia. I apologize, Gemara language is very difficult. And it's Aramaic, it's not actually Hebrew, so it's harder to read. And from that which transpired to Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak as well, it can be derived that there is no consolation for the Jewish people. As Chaldean astrologers told Rav Nachman Yitzchak's mother, your son will be a thief. She did not allow him to uncover his head. She said to her son, cover your head so that the fear of Hashem will be upon you. Pray for divine mercy. He did not know why she said this to him. One day he was sitting and studying beneath a palm tree that did not belong to him, and the cloak fell off his head. So the kippah not only reminds us of Hashem above, but it also gives us some ira, some ema, some fear, understanding that there is a being above us, there is Hashem, the one and only, above us in our lives. The Mishnah Torah points out in the Human Dispositions in 5-6, and it goes on to explain these different things, not going to say the whole thing. But the disciples of the wise conduct themselves with an abundance of privacy, shouldn't degrade themselves, and shouldn't even uncover their heads when going about in their lives. There are those who say, the Shulchan Aruch points out in Orach Chaim, that it's forbidden to mention Hashem's name with an uncovered head. And there are those who say that one should object that people should not enter the synagogue with an uncovered head. All understanding and having reminiscent that Hashem is above us and Hashem is around us. A simple thing to do, by the way, if you have a night table, is just to keep your kippah on the night table. And then when you get out of your bed, you swing your legs out, you get the kippah right on the head. Some people keep it across the room or different places, but if you have more than one kippah, it's a simple solution to just keep it next to your bed, and then you have it for your head right away. Shulchan Aruch points out on the Orachayim 2.6, Asr Leilch becomes a kufa lo yelch da'od amos begilei harosh. We mentioned this in the beginning. V'yavdeg nukava... It's forbidden to walk in an overly upright posture. One should not walk a distance of four almost with the head uncovered out of respect for the Divine Presence. And make sure to keep yourself clean and kempt because you are an emissary of the King. You are nobility. If Hashem is the King, we are the children. We are the princes and princesses of the nation. We should act as such and dress as such and behave as such as well. The Chulis Marshal points out that when it comes to being involved in this lifetime, when it comes to how we go about in our lives, we should make sure to go with that head covering. He explains, I don't know of any prohibition against reciting a blessing without wearing a head covering, but it's obvious that it is forbidden to invoke Hashem's name without the head covered. And he found this as well written in different places. A person should make sure to be clean and kempt and posed in their life, including with their head covered as well. Shuba Marshall also goes on to explain that it's reasonable that even one who wishes to recite a blessing over consumption at night when he has no hat on or when he's moving around, it's sufficient to cover your head with something. You know, sometimes if I forget to keep out or, you, or a person forgets to keep out, at least put the, the shirt over your head. Make sure that you have something over the head because you were need to have that head covering and a proof is a rabbinatam when it was if he didn't have the keeper with him for some reason would cover himself with a garment over the place of his heart not with his hands as well Nadarim points out in 30b the Mishnah explains 
that what is the reason that the covering is supposed to be there? Because in general, a lot of times the covering is not there. Why do we cover? Because sometimes there are coverings, sometimes not. But in general, when we want to cover our head from the sun, we want to cover our heads from the elements. Of course, we should want to cover ourselves from Hashem's presence itself in life. Kedushim 33a points out, Ravina Havayasev Kameh de Rav Yirmiyah Medifte Chalaf Hahu Gavra Kameh Velo Mechse Resha Amar Kama Chatsif Ha Gavra Amar Lei Dilma Mimase Machsaya Nehudigisibir Rabbanan the Gemara cites another incident involving honor one demonstrates for his teacher. Once, when Ravina was sitting before Rav Yirmiya of Difti, a certain man passed before him did not cover his head. Ravina said, how rude is this man, one who does not show respect by covering his head in honor of a rabbi? Now, if you think an honor for a rabbi is such, Kavachomer, how much more so is needed for the honor of God? Rav Yirmiya of Difti said to him, perhaps he's from the city of Matamachasia, where rabbis are common, the people living there are consequently not as careful, display honors those in other places. But of course, the first rabbi was still offended and slighted for God's honor as well. Brachos points out in 24a, Amrav Chista Shok Ba'asha, and the Gemara goes on to discuss different aspects and different things. The idea being that not only is it covenant respect, but it's an idea of modesty and sneers for us to understand that Hashem is above. We shouldn't be arrogant, we shouldn't be haughty, we should understand that really everything is from Hashem Himself, so we ourselves need to understand that He is the one above us, and He is the one controlling things. And especially when things are dire, especially when things are difficult, especially when it's hard to be involved in the, in these kind of aspects, these kind of life, it's scary to see what's going on. The kippah is a good aspect, a good thing to wear, and a good thing to be involved in. A lot of people have different questions about the kippah itself, and it's it behooves to think about different aspects of why we wear it and what kind of elements are involved. And of course, Aish talks about it from the... Rabbi Simmons, why do we wear a kippah? What is the point of wearing a kippah? There are different reasons why the kippah is involved, but the head covering explains to us it's an identifiable mark of a Jew. It's customary to remove one's head covering when meeting an important person in the Western world, but in Judaism, putting on a head covering is a sign of respect. The idea is because the Talmud and Brachos elsewhere, 60B, talks about how we thank Hashem for crowning Israel with splendor. So it's a hint to covering the head because it's like our crown. Thomas says the purpose is to remind us of Hashem, as we mentioned, the higher authority above us from Kedushim, and, and the actions create the internal awareness. Wearing the symbolic, tangible something above us reinforces the idea that Hashem is watching. It's a means to draw out the respect for God. It's easy to remember Hashem in the base Knesset and the base Medrash, even around the Shabbos table, but we're supposed to be conscious of Hashem every place and everywhere. So, how we treat others, how we conduct business, how we look at the world, even when the world is against us, especially in current times, it helps us try to portray ourselves to the world. The Yiddish word for head covering, yarmulke, comes from the Aramaic, Yiramalka, which means awe of the king. In Hebrew, the head covering is called kippah, which literally means a dome. To wear a kippah to proclaim, I am a proud Jew. You know, Ivri Anochi, from the song from Benny Freeman, it's true. Ivri Anochi, yes, Hashem, you know, I don't remember the words offhand. But we are proud Jews. There's a fascinating phenomenon where non-observant Jews visiting Israel will wear a kippah for the duration of their stay. Maybe it's a sense that the entire land is holy like a synagogue, or maybe the removal of any self-consciousness and accompany public expression. You know, a lot of times when people go to the Kotel itself, even not Jewish people, they'll wear the kippah on because it's a sign of respect. The kippah is a sign of a Torah ambassador reflects on all Jews. 
It obligates the wearer to live up to a certain standard of behavior. Think twice before cutting a line at the bank or, ber- or berating an incompetent waiter. Wearing the kippah makes one a Torah ambassador, as we mentioned, and reflects on all Jews. The actions of someone wearing a kippah can create a kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name, and conversely, a chilol Hashem, desecration of His name, God forbid. You think about all this, the pictures and examples of the people who pull over and they're wearing a kippah, they change the tire. I just saw one the other day in one of those WhatsApp chats, randomly on the side of the road, not a Jewish person, but a yeshiva guy, yeshiva bachar, uh, a teenager, 20, 22-year-old wearing kippah, sits down, changes the tire for the random stranger, random act of kindness. Easy, Kiddush Hashem. When we go above and beyond, even something simple, you know, going into my classrooms and giving them stuff that we get ourselves to give to them, Hopefully being reimbursed, but even if not, going above and beyond and they see, ah, Mr. Tani is a Jewish guy, he's a religious guy, what a beautiful thing. If people are like that in that, in that, in that realm, in that religion, in that way of life, how wonderful it is. It's simple, it's easy. You know, having kind words for those who you involve, who you interact with, the security guard, the crossing guard, the teller, anyone you call on the phone, obviously they don't see your keeper, but involving yourself in a sanctification of God's name is simple when you're able to live up to the keeper understanding that who is above you. Putting on a keeper, of course, doesn't automatically confer role model status. Sometimes we hear of a religious person caught in some act that doesn't show well. You know, sometimes a person might go and he might be in not great behavior. The author understands that one time in Los Angeles he saw a drunken, disheveled man walking down the street with a kippah. He wasn't Jewish, but he found an old kippah. How bad did that look for the Jewish people? He thought it helped him fit into the neighborhood atmosphere. But it's driving home the message. It's not fair to judge Judaism based on someone displaying the outer trappings of observance. The kippah should be worn on the hair, of course. It should be pinned down with clips. It should not fly off or be too big or be too small. And it should be something that covers the head. Obviously, you know, baseball caps are worn as well many times. Obviously, there's a, there's a very famous Jewish comedian who talks, I forget which comedian it was, but he talks about how, you know, a guy's on a subway, he's wearing like a three-piece suit. And he's wearing a hat. So it's like very obvious that he's a Jewish guy, like trying to, to hide his identity. But obviously, for different reasons, people might wear different things. But the minimum measure of Feinstein points out is that whatever would be called a head covering, it should be large enough to be seen from all sides. Rabbi Avadio Safe points out. And it could be different types of wearings of different types of people. Yeshiva style, people wear the black velvet one. Some modern Orthodox wear a knitted color kippah. Mine is actually knitted, but black and flat. Some wear a strimal. Different people wear different things. What about instances where wearing wearing it conflicts with business and career interests? Rabbi Feinstein writes, in certain cases, there might there might be room to be lenient. But there are different ways of going about it. It can be cut both ways. A prominent businessman once explained that for every client lost because of his keeper, there were two clients gained who respected his display of integrity and courage in wearing a keeper. The story goes that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev once saw a man running. Where are you running to? The rabbi asked. The man answered, I have to get to my job. The rabbi retorted, perhaps your livelihood is in the other direction and you're running away from it. For many seeking to express their Jewish identity, the, to keep or not to keep, but that is the question. But there are different 
first-hand accounts that could explain fascinating about wearing a kippah itself as well. I want to read to you this first-hand account about the kippah quandary, which comes from H.com itself, from Ross Hirschman. He was thinking about wearing, whether to wear a kippah or not to a job interview. He had a confession, I wear a kippah, and not just in shul either, all the time, even in social situations, but he didn't always. For the first 36 years of his life, that's almost my age, I, he only wore one in synagogue, in shul, and even that was rare. The phenomenon of the switch from no kippah to everyday kippah is recorded by the reactions that he got from friends, family, and co-workers. The reactions were, why are you wearing that? Is that kind of some kind of Jewish holiday again? Ah, oh, he's such a fanatic. He wears it to hide his bald spot. But uh, some people would say they only th- wish they thought of it like 20 years ago when they first got their bald spots. But the favorite and most subtle reaction came from a colleague whose eyes would dart back and forth between the kippah and him, the kippah and him, 50 times during a five-minute conversation. The dilemma of newfound kibbutzness came from confronting the work, the Newark situation where wearing the traditional Hebraic skull cap, as one coworker deemed it, it involved meeting with someone outside the current company and thus outside the group who saw the transition from him from secular to religious and who asked all the questions about the practices and seemed interested. Now you're going into this beyond the safe zone into the final frontier. So this first contact came sometimes for some people when interviewing for a new job. What made it, what can make it even more difficult was that it might be a job you actually want. In other words, there's a lot at stake professionally. So the question becomes, if it will prejudice his position in a negative way, there's room to say they might have to wear it at work. So he wanted, if he had an out, wanted an out, he might have one. But should he take the out? Should this person, this theoretical person, should he take the out? To keep or not to keep is not the question. So whenever there's deep moral questions, a lot of times people reach out to their spiritual guidance or local Orthodox rabbi. Many people reach out to their wives because wives know best. Happy wife, happy life, right? And they have uh, the intuition. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like Chachmas Noshim Bina Yisera, something like that. They have extra knowledge. They know things. So a lot of times they're much wiser and much smarter. So the response for this person, this author, who had this question, he asked his wife, had a great response. Well, if you're afraid that your new prospective boss may not like Jews or religious people in general, it's better to find out in the interview stage, no? Rather than after you're working for them. With that, the decision was made so this person would wear the kippah. So he arrives at the interview a few minutes early. He goes to the bathroom to check his wardrobe. He looked pretty much the same, except one difference. He looked like all the other job interviews, except for the circular edition atop the head. The keeper was clean and tasteful, wouldn't be caught without a tasteful keeper, but it was also a statement, a big statement. So standing there in the bathroom, he hesitated and thought, you could still take it off. You could still take it off. But then he realized that not wearing the keeper, and we can realize that not wearing the keeper for those of us who are on the fence about it, not wearing it would be an even bigger statement, a statement about a denial of who a person is, a Jew, a religious Jew. So going into that interview would be like a statement that you're less than fully committed to those ideas around which you base your life. And you should know, by the way, when a person wants to run away from wants to assimilate it, it's always going to catch up to you. You know, the Yamach in, uh in the World War II, they didn't care religious or secular. They want to get rid of all of them. It's kind of similar to right now in our situation. They don't really care if they're religious or secular. They want to get rid of all of them. The kind of the Amalek philosophy, which we have to eradicate. This philosophy, it really doesn't matter. So when a person is really true to themselves, a person who is respected is a person who is really true to their ideals. I don't think, thank God, 
in all my settings, it's more respect that people feel, respect for the ability to wear the kippah. Man, I respect that you got your religious ideals. That's cool. I wish I had some. I haven't been to my church in 22 years. People who can stick to their guns, who stick to their ideals, who stick to their ideology, really are more respected than a person who tries to shrug it off, tries to hide it, tries to run away from it. So for this person also, he wanted to be more committed to those ideas. So he went in to the interview with the kippah, and the whole getup. The person who greeted him smiled and shook his hand. No eyes were darting from the keeper to the person. No jaw hanging down to the ground like in the cartoons. Just a nice hello. Early into the interview, he asked the prospective worker, What are you passionate about? So the answer of the person, he said, In business or in life in general. So the person, the, the interviewer, asks him life in general. So the interviewee, the person wearing the kippah, thought for a split second, should you be really honest? Should you tell him what truly animates and motivates this person in life? Or should you just give him the stock corporate answer that's a job well done and sacrifice for the company is what makes me tick? So this person, maybe because the keeper had him thinking about idealism and ideology, this person opted for the former. What the heck? He's already seen the keeper. Might as well be honest. Just go for it. So his answer was a very succinct answer, and it's an answer that's a good answer to think about. My passions, he says, like a, a almost a, a one sentence, my passions are God, family, community, and work in that order. Isn't that interesting? God, family, community, work in that order. A lot of times people, unfortunately, value the wrong things, and a lot of times people put... Strength in the wrong areas. Unfortunately, the pandemic showed a lot of people that the priorities are out of whack. You're not allowed to go into work. There was a, a big health crisis, a big major pandemic going around. People were, quote-unquote, stuck at home, which is a sad way of looking at it. You're privileged to be at home with your loved ones. You get to be at home. It's kind of the idea of get versus have. I have to do the garbage. I have to do the baths. I have to take care of the kids. No, you get to take care of the kids. You get to take out the garbage. You get to help the wife and the kids. Different priorities, different ways of looking at things. So this person had it in a nice order. He tried to soften the blow. Probably not what a manager wants to hear, but don't misunderstand me. I work hard and take my job seriously, but it's a matter of priorities. You know, in the beginning, working for the system was very hard to, to juggle. You know, I really didn't want to take the day off. I really don't like taking the day off. But in life, what's more important, the kid, the wife, or the job? The job can always be, you know, there. Hopefully, you could always go back to it. You could always take a day. They could always replace you also, God forbid. But a person in life, in family, the husband, the the dad can't be replaced. It's a matter of priorities. And too often, people have the wrong priorities. That's why the other lecture I talked ad nauseum of the idea of how can we better shift ourselves how can we better shift our days what's really important what's truly important you know i'm an ot i could easily work in many different areas of the field i could work many more hours in many different locations far versus close but that's not what my priority is i want to have a day job but i want to be home at a normal time i want to help i want to do what i can be fully involved dad and husband if i'm going to take a job from seven to seven i'm not going to be able to do that yeah i might pay more but is that what it's about no a matter of priorities. So this person at his interview says it's a matter of priorities. He looked for the response, any sign of shock or noticeable disappointment, but he saw none. He simply smiled and continued the interview. What is your passion in life? 
And of course, we should utilize our passion to help those around us. I mentioned the idea that I want to use my guitar for kumzitzes. Me and my baby today had a kumzitz together. It was very nice. But how could we use that? If you have a passion for speaking, for writing, for being an advocate, you should use that, especially now when the state of Israel, the Jewish people, really need people to use their passions to stand up for people around. So this person was thinking about passion, and we too can think about passion in life to make a Kiddush Hashem, to make a difference, to stand up for the Jewish people and the land. Fortunately, they really clicked, and the rest of the interview went great. But he couldn't help wondering what the answer, what he thought of that answer, the interviewer thought of the answer to that first question. At the end of the interview, he asked me if I, he asked him if he had any questions for him. Just one. And he asked back to their prospective employer, what are you passionate about in life? When uh, he later told his friends, he asked them that they were shocked as if they asked him whether he wore, you know, a shirt or a tie on the weekends. Well, he said, smiling, it's funny, as I listened to you answering that question, I felt as if I myself was hearing myself answer it. And luckily, he got the job. In the end, going to the interview with the keeper and answering the questions in an honest but not politically correct way was not a heroic act. You know, serving in World War II, serving in World War One. you know, people on the front lines, Zaka and IDF and the United Soa, these wonderful people doing beautiful things. We should never know from such things, but these people heavily involved right now in Israel are doing heroic things. But small, small things can still make bold statements. If you take a stand for something you believe in, it can become clear to you that if you're religious Jew in private, then what are you really? You need to be religious Jew in public as well in a safe and, and proper manner. Using the kippa, using the words evidence that you can stand for something, you do stand out from other people, you can get the job. So a simple thing, a small thing can really make all the difference in life by using that kippa. It's not an easy decision, it might be difficult, but it is something to be able to do. Another person talks about how it was difficult for them from Richard Rabkin. The first time that he wore kippa outside of shul in Canada, he was petrified. He just got back from Israel where he became religious and where kippas were about as common as phones, nowadays smartphones. When he came back to Vancouver where he lived, he didn't have the courage to start wearing the kippa. He had many reasons. He didn't have the courage to stand up for the questioning or the be the model Jew and he didn't have the courage to make the statement that it makes, but after his first Shabbos, he was informed that he can't carry anything on Shabbos and that after Shul, he couldn't put his keep on pocket. So if he wore it in Shul, he couldn't put it away in the pocket. He can't carry it. So what's he going to do? He had an hour walk home. Also, by the way, that's a very, very wonderful thing to have an hour walk. You know, here, Shul is around the corner. One of the Shuls is a six-minute walk away. Can you imagine 60 minutes? That is wonderful. We could look up to him for that. What are people going to think of him? He'd have too many options. He thought about sprinting home so people could only see a cat-like figure rushing by them. I don't know how he would run for 60 minutes, but okay. Which wouldn't give them the time to make out the head covering, but he realized that he wasn't cat-like and he could sprint maybe for a block before he would fall through the ground in convulsions. For those of those out there with asthma, you're going to make it maybe five seconds before you know having to stop and catch the breath. So he decided to bite the bullet and walk all the way home wearing the kippah. So during that walk home... He felt like he must have looked like an escaped mental patient with a serious case of paranoia. When someone walked by him, he would think to himself, What are you looking at? Are you looking at the keeper? What's wrong with you? Haven't you ever seen a Jewish person before? Racist? Actually, the person walking towards him was probably thinking to himself, This man approached me. It looks like he was addicted to crack. I hope he doesn't beat me up. Because he was so nervous, so paranoid. The whole walk home, his first time doing it. But there are many advantages of wearing it. As the months and years went on, he got much more comfortable wearing the kippah and started wearing it almost all of the time. It doesn't have to be an overnight thing. It could be gradual. 
different things, people are talking about different mitzvahs and different aspects of different things to try to latch onto, especially now in the very, very difficult and very devastating days for Israel. Taking on one tiny mitzvah, one tiny thing. Some people have different resolutions at Rosh Hashanah. I know a great sage said, my resolution this year is I'm going to look in a bencher to bench. He's a great sage. He knows Talmud. He knows the ba- the Bavli, the Rishami. He knows all of this stuff. And his thing is to do that. Yes, because small little things can make the difference. So one person might say, I want to keep Shabbos. One person might say, I want to keep kosher. One person might say, I want to wear a talis. Married person, wear a talis every day. I want to wear tefillin every day. I want to wear a kippah every day. We could take on something small for the the brethren, the Achenu Kobes Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, a simple thing could be about the kippah. So this person decided to keep the kippah back then, and he got more comfortable wearing it almost all of the time. When he applied to summer internships at law firms in Vancouver, he didn't wear his kippah to the interviews as opposed to the first guy we talked about. Who's going to hire me if I'm wearing a kippah, he thought. Despite the fact that Canada is a very multicultural, tolerant country, he still couldn't do it. But then he discovered there were problems with not wearing the kippah at work. Since the co-workers had no reason to think that he was different, his first day at the firm, they took him out to lunch to a restaurant called The Spotted Prawn. First of all, prawns are definitely not kosher. My wife and I see it all the time on Master Chef. I think it's a type of fish, shellfish, sea fish, whatever. Definitely not kosher. All the co-workers ordered various shellfish dishes forbidden to him. He wanted to ask the chef to make a special dish, like roasted water with a side of sliced water, seasoned in water. Instead, he ended up ordering a salad, but he knew he was still compromising on kosher standards. From then on, it was bag lunches for him. So for professional spiritual reasons, he decided to move to Toronto, which had a much greater Jewish presence. With the previous keeper wearing difficulties under the belt, he was determined to go to Toronto interviews wearing a kippah. His first interview was in a downtown firm that he was really interested in. He got into the elevator, which was to take him to the 45th floor. A little nervous about the keeper thing, but forging on courageously nonetheless. He noticed another guy in the elevator wearing a kippah as well. He felt immediately relieved. They struck up a conversation and told him which law from there interviewing at. Oh, that's a great firm! Congratulations on getting an interview there. He paused for a second, then continued, I should warn you, I've owned, I've heard they don't really like it if people wear their kippahs, their yarmulkes, to work. So his heart sinks into the pit of his stomach. They're not sure if they like the kippahs. Not sure of hearing from the news or if the elevator came to an abrupt landing on the 45th floor. He exited cautiously, looks both ways as if going to set off a keep alarm. He turned to the man in the elevator and thanked him for the advice. No problem. And he stepped out as well. Good morning, Mr. Arm, the receptionist says to him. In the elevator, your 9 o'clock appointment is here to see you. The elevator buddy, the partner at this firm, winked and laughed. Good luck in the interview. Come by my office when you're done if you get the chance. So the interview went well. And he could see that his decision to wear a kippah was paying off already. Some of the lawyers told him without asking there were no problem serving Shabbos in the firm. Even in the winter months when Shabbos begins early, you got to leave work early, of course. The firm wanted to take him out for dinner. They offered setting up a get-together in the office so he could come without having to order roasted water. He didn't have to explain himself. The kippah did everything. Once the kippah was on, they knew exactly where he stood. It's a symbol for him to know where he stands. The religious thoughts and feelings that were bring out to the external arena. The fact is, once you put on the kippah, you're making that statement. It's a statement to yourself, to others, a commitment to Judaism, a commitment to the Jewish people, and securing yourself with your own Jewish identity. You have the courage to make it. You have the courage to be going about. So we're thinking, what can we do for our brethren, our Jewish 
brothers and sisters here in early October in 2023 with the war raging in Israel. Some small act, some small mitzvah you can do, some small aspect that you could take on can make all the difference. The Gemara talks about and the Halacha talks about how important it is to wear the kippah to be not kisar rosh, not be uncovered head. The kippah can make the man. There are many different types of kippahs. There's the velvet one, the knit one. There's all different ones. Nowadays, they have really, really nice ones. You know, you could even personalize it. I used to have one with my name in it. My wife said that was a little strange, so I don't wear it anymore. But back in the day, you can wear whichever one you want, and you can have any different types. But there are many different types, and you can wear one that you feel comfortable with. It doesn't have to be humongous. It doesn't have to be tiny. It could be in the middle. But when you wear it, it is a simple thing to do it is a simple aspect to be involved with we are thinking what we can do for the our jewish brethren in the world over in israel we're thinking how we can help them how we could support them how we could do something to contribute something to involve them. of course financially it's wonderful but who has thousands to give to every organization that needs give a little we tried to give to a couple of organizations 18 here 36 here 36 there that helps donating time donating your tefillos being involved in it to him of course is wonderful and very important of course the shir itself was dedicated for the memory of the hundreds murdered on behalf of the hundreds in captivity, the thousands wounded, and the tens of thousands fighting on behalf in Eretz Yisrael. Those who are in captivity should be saved speedily, healthy, and happy, and safely. Those who are hurt should have a complete refuah shlema speedily, happy, and healthy. And those who are fighting should have a Yeshua speedily, happy, and healthy, should rescue the land, the people, and everything to have safety and peace for all of us, especially in the land. And of course, a very wonderful thing to do with the OU point out is to say Psalms 20, 83, 121, 130, 142. That's to him involved in the Kapitulach. Of course, I myself am a big fan of the Shiramalasis from 120 to 134. They're small, they're simple, but they pack a punch and they're very powerful. Of course, donating financially, donating resources, donating your ability, joining to Helm Chats and Helm Groups and different rallies are wonderful to be a part of. But again, taking on something yourself, some small thing, doing an extra chesed every day, having a little more kavana, doing a little more learning every day, doing another mitzvah, or taking on something People who get involved in Judaism, who want to be involved, who want to be participating, a lot of times they they have the idea to try to take on something, to try to do something. Even if they think it's small, it can have a world of an impact. So some people do the Shabbos lighting of the candles, and some people do the the keeping Shabbos, some people do the keeping kosher. But when you're involved in something small, when it's not even so small, we wear the kippah, it could be a a statement and it can be an aspect to the world around us we know that the kippa itself comes from those different sources we talked about we wear it to proclaim and to explain to others i'm aware that hashem is here i'm aware hashem god is above us i'm aware hashem is around me the wearing the kippa is like being involved in wearing a wedding ring. It's a simple connection to understand. It's a commitment. Wearing the wedding ring signifies the commitment that through happiness and health, pain and joy, struggle and celebration, I will work hard to do whatever it takes to provide for your needs, talking to your spouse, and make you happy till death do us part. I'm committed to you forever. And that's what we're saying to Hashem. We are committed to you. We're doing what we can to sanctify your name, to be involved in your aspect, to be involved in this life, being committed to Hashem. It also has a trust element. Wearing the ring, a spouse makes a statement, I am trustworthy, I trustworthy, your faith in me is always on my mind. This ring will be a constant reminder 
to be involved in doing the best I can. And that's what we're saying with the Kippa also. We're trying to do what we can, be involved in mitzvahs and chesed throughout our lives. The wedding ring, like the Kippa, also expresses the emotion that one has for Hashem. You are the one that brought us to this world. We're going to do what we can to try to bring good to the world, to bring light to the world, to bring our soul and our heart involved. And pride, wearing the kippah, openly announces, I am proud to be a Jew. I am happy to be a Jew. I am happy to be connected to the Jewish people, to the land of Israel. And it fills me with pride. It's amazing how a simple piece of cloth, this simple piece of cloth, has become a known symbol and a reminder of one's commitment and values in life. Yes, we may feel very connected and Hashem is here, but wearing the simple Small skull cap makes a big difference. It represents making a commitment that through happiness and health, pain and joy, struggles and celebration, I am a devoted Jew. I will work hard to do what is right. Until death through his part, we shall be zochah to live on Mavis and I commit to my relationship with you, Hashem, forever. Wearing a kippah makes a statement, I am trustworthy. I have trust in you, Hashem. I know you have faith in me, and this kippah is a constant reminder to overcome what I can in difficult situations to be loyal to Hashem. Loyal to the Jewish people. This again comes from Aish, from Akiva Tabenblatt. To do what we can to be connected to the the world at large of the Jewry. Keeper expresses the emotion that one cherishes in the relationship with Hashem. Loving Hashem more than anything else, knowing that you're with me wherever I go. Gam Thinking of you at all times, you're showing up from good times. And wearing the keep out in the open announces, I'm so proud to be connected with you, knowing that we are together. I'm not afraid of people knowing I'm a committed Jew. I won't hide this passion away, except in safety reasons or certain different exceptions. Thinking about you fills me with pride and self-confidence every day. The world can pull us in many directions. It's easy to get distracted. Choosing a significant mnemonic device like a kippah on one's head can help us remain committed, trustworthy, loving, and filled with pride. It's a simple way to show the connection to Hashem, to show the connection to the Jewish people, and to show the aspect of how we could be connected to Hashem, how we can be connected to the world at large, and how we can be connected to ourselves and our identity and our capability in this world. So when we're thinking what we can do, how we could be better serving to Hashem, to have real Yorimalka, Yamaka, Yorimalka, and understanding that the word Kippah is a dome, it is a small thing, a small token that we can be involved in. It's a small aspect that we can do to try to connect more to Hashem, to connect to the Jewish people and to connect to those around us and understanding that it really is a sense of pride. It really is a wonderful thing and a wonderful aspect. And I want to end with one last element that Aish brings out from Yonatan Levi talk about the idea that when you put on the kippah, you really understand that you're standing for something else, which we talked about many times. It's going out into the world knowing that you have this symbol on you. This is a wonderful thing to do to bring out to the world to show who we stand for and what we stand for. And it really has more benefits than not. It really brings to to light the idea of the values that we hold and what we what we stand near and dear for, how we could really be ambassador for the Jewish people. I can't tell you how many times people explain, ask me to explain what kosher means. What is the symbol? Why is this a symbol? What's the difference? Does a rabbi bless the food? No, that's not how it works. I have to explain that there are different instruments involved. There are different aspects involved. The ingredients have to be kosher. The utensils have to be kosher. The cookware has to be kosher. The 
ovens and the stoves. You can't mix the milk and meat. You have to wait between the different things. And they, they, a lot of times they say to Mr. Tanny, is this kosher? Mr. Tanny, is this t- kosher? And I'll have to explain, look right here. You see this U with the O? If we were in Britain, it would be much harder because they don't always have the symbols there. They have like a, a pre-approved list. And they ask different things, and I can explain about the different holidays. How do people know this if I'm not wearing the kippah? It would be easy to hide it. And sometimes people do try to hide it, but I find it much better to wear it. Becoming the, the shuliach of Hashem, the messenger of Hashem. So as we go out and about in the world and we think about what we could do in this very difficult time, in this very, very devastating time, very horrific time, we could take on one small thing, whether it's a kippah, whether we think about grandiose things, you know, going much higher, thinking about Shabbos and taking a more mitzvahs, more observance or learning more you know partners in torah is a beautiful initiative project inspire has wonderful ideas there are different things we could do that we could try to take upon ourselves in this life if we can do small acts small actions besides for donating financially which please do besides for donating resources and time sending clothing and supplies which please do is beautiful things and showing support at rallies which is also wonderful things really taking on something in the ritual aspect, in the religious aspect, something in the Jewish aspect, the Judaic aspect of life, really can make all the difference. And we talked about the kippah, how wonderful it is to wear and to think about, especially all the people in the Chayalim who want us to do acts for them, to do mitzvahs for them. I literally just read that a few hours ago. Do a mitzvah for them. Do kind deeds for them. Do it in their honor, in their in their in their merit that they should be safe and protected. Some of them are not even 19 year old. Some of them are 18, 19, 20. A lot of reservists went back, and they they might be later in life with many kids. And even if there's there's no kids, different aspects, different parts of life, it's very difficult. So everyone should be zocha. Those who are serving should be zocha to be protected. They should be zocha to to be successful. Those who are hurt should have a complete Yeshua and refuah. Those who are who are Health captives should be released, and Hashem should answer all our tefillahs. And we should zochatayir only good things, and a, a wonderful swift end to this terrible, terrible, terrible terrorism that's going around. And all our tefillahs and all our mitzvahs should be zochat to bring a complete yeshua refuah speedily in our days with the coming of Mashiach and the building of the third base meter speedily in our days. And may that day, in fact. Today, this has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.